Welcome back to another episode of the Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. Thanks for joining today. You are going to love this guest. Rob Paulson is the voice of Pinky from Pinky and the Brain, Iaco from Animaniacs, Raphael Donatello from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Carl Weezer, and like 250 other characters. Animation characters performed in over a thousand commercials. His, um, his... What did he call it? His uh, resume looks like a rap sheet or something. I forget what he said. But seriously, all the voices and animation you can imagine. And he came to the podcast and we had a great conversation. So I hope you enjoy it. His uh, new book, well, it's not new, but new to me is Voice Lessons, How a Couple Ninja Turtles, Pinky, and an Animaniac Saved My Life. He was diagnosed with throat cancer of all the cancers for a voice of animation to be diagnosed with. And this book is about his journey through cancer and much more. So I hope you enjoy this episode and I know you will with Rob Paulson. Hi, and welcome to the same 24 hours podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although, right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. Well, so where should we start? I feel like I have so many questions for you. Um, One, how did you get into this job? (laughs) Like job. job. Yeah. Uh, You know, I I was a singer uh, and an actor uh, in the traditional sense before I moved to California. I'd been on the road doing live theater for several years and I moved to California at 22 to apply my trade in uh, uh, music and the, the general stuff, TV, movies, commercials, and I was doing all of that. Uh, and then I found myself living the axiom that luck is when opportunity meets preparation. Uh, that is to say, in the mid 80s, my agent called and said, hey, have you ever thought about doing animation? I said, yeah, but you know, this many people do it all because in those days, animation, when you were a little girl, was relegated to Saturday morning on the three major mm-hmm. networks. And um, so I was just grateful that I had an opportunity uh, to audition because it was a handful of people who did it all because there just wasn't that much product. But the first thing I noticed, uh, Meredith, when I walked in the, in the first recording session, which was for a show ended up being called Transformers. And, oh, that um, little one. That little one. <laughs> And I walked into the room and I see a bunch of actors whom I recognize from Bob Newhart or, or Lost in Space or the stuff that I grew up watching when I was a teenager, when I was actually James age. And um, I thought, oh, my God, I recognize that woman. And that guy played the mother on so and so. And oh, this is fantastic. But they were they were utterly uh, uh, unlimited by anything but their creativity. That is you know, when you're a non-celebrity talent, you're typed. Are you mm. the right age or the right size or the right height for the guy they've hired to be your brother? 
or could you be the boyfriend of the girl they've hired? All of that stuff. Do you look like you could be this man and woman's son? So you're automatically typed a little bit before you even open your mouth and to show them what kind of chops you have. But that is not the case in animation. And now that I'm old enough to be James' grandfather, I am still not limited by my, um, uh, by my look. I'm still a non-celebrity talent. And, and make no mistake, I'm incredibly flattered that you're taking the time with me today. But I don't draw them. I don't write them. I'm really good at my job, but I ought to be. Um, however, not having to worry about the way I look is remarkably freeing as a creative person. Sure. Uh, I, I just love that. So I'm really glad that I have the type of ego that says, I don't care if people recognize me or not. I'm going to go for the place where there's a lot of work. And my timing was excellent because not long after that, 24-hour animation things, uh, the Disney afternoon, uh, Kids WB, all of it just exploded. You know, this was, this, The Simpsons was pretty much the only game in town for primetime. Right. Now it's tons of primetime animation and animated features and video games and all of that. So all my acting skill uh, and music skill came to bear at precisely the right time and I got lucky because I was prepared and the opportunity presented itself. Um, I grew up in Michigan, but I put myself in a position to be lucky by coming out here. Um, and now people still don't care what I look like. Animaniacs and Pinky in the Brain have been rebooted for Hulu with Mr. Spielberg again. And they're unqualified hits again, a quarter century later. That never happens. This is a very unique circumstance, and to be part of it is um, is pretty overwhelming, as you can imagine. That's amazing. When I told my son, you're, you know, the list of the voices, he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, he he grew up on he growing up on all of them. So isn't that something that that you're able to do that with your precious boy? I I go to do autograph things all over the world, and the coolest part of it is to meet people who share two, sometimes three generations. I see people just literally this weekend, I was just in Las Vegas doing a big autograph thing. And I'll bet I had a dozen families who would come up and say, oh my gosh, Pinky in the Brain, we've been watching that show forever because my uh, father called me one day and said, I've been watching this thing called Pinky in the Brain with your mother. And I, and I was in high school or rather, I'm sorry, I was in college and my dad said, check out Pinky in the Brain. It reminds me of Looney Tunes. Okay, so when I was in college, my dad and I were watching Pinky in the Brain. Now, my dad is a grandfather and we all watch Pinky in the Brain. It is still relevant. The new episodes are fantastic. The same voice talent from 25 years ago. God bless Mr. Spielberg. Um, he, he's getting pretty good at this. Yes, you win. You win. That's three generations. I had Dave Coulier from Full House. Oh, on. Dave is one of my best friends. Yes. And I said, you have two generations because I grew up on Full House and then they did the did. reboot for my daughter who loves yeah. Fuller House. But you win. You got three generations. So take that, well, Dave. <laughs> Dave is the real deal. He's one of my dearest friends. We're both from Detroit and big fans of the Detroit Red Wings. And Dave is, uh, we played hockey together. Wow. Um, He's one of my dearest friends. He just had a birthday. And uh, uh, yeah, I will tell him you send your regards. <laughs> and tell him you won. That's right. I win. You win. I win. You win. I win, cooler. Yeah. So what is your favorite 
Well, you can't say that because you're a working actor. Um, let me rephrase. What's my favorite character? Yes. Well, can you say that? I, I can because nobody's going to fire me if I if I don't choose them. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I the the truth is my favorite character is the next one because it means I'm working. Um, mm. I would um, I would like to think that I haven't yet peaked, but that's part of. I think that's just part of the ethos of creative people. No one wants to think that they've done their best work at any time of their life. Um, I know myself pretty well, and I know that I'm better than I was five years ago. Yeah. I'm better than I was 10 years ago. I'd like to think I was better. I'm better than I was last month because I'm always working on stuff. I really absolutely do not rest on my laurels because uh, the competition is too intense. Also, mm -hmm. I'm a competitive guy. I, I, I'm a, you know, an athlete, hockey player, all that stuff. And, and I like getting better. Moreover, I like getting better when I'm working with people who are better than I. And I, mm. I really, it's not false modesty. I'm really good at my job, but you can pretty much suss out when you run into people who are just like, man, where did that young lady come from? Holy smoke. Right. I'm going to hang out with her. And, and I, I continually learn. And I think that's, one of the not so secret secrets of my relative success. Uh, so, but if I had to pay, take a pick or make a pick rather, it's pretty tough not to go with Animaniacs because I love Yakko. Yakko gets to sing United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru. And look what happens to your beautiful face. It's all you do is you start smiling. Um, right. And I love Pinky because I get to work with uh, my buddy, Maurice LaMarche and Pinky and the Brain um, have gone on to be their own entity and rightfully so it's a very very good comic duo mm -hmm. uh it, it is a really good show it's relevant it, is, it does not condescend um it is written on several levels purposefully so that james can enjoy it you can enjoy it uh and you might get different cultural references but they they the james will get a reference 10 years from now that he doesn't get right right now. And that is utterly by design. Um, so when you get a chance to work with Steven Spielberg, you have a four, I'm a singer, so you have a 40 piece orchestra that I can sing with. Are you kidding me? It's, uh, it really is like winning a showbiz lottery. You're so right on the cultural relevance for yeah. different generations. Cause I start, my daughter watched, she wanted to watch Greece with me. Yeah. And I said, yeah, oh my gosh, I love that when I was your age. And I watched it. And it was a whole different movie. Way. <laughs> like my mother let me watch this. But oh my gosh. The references are, are oh, so yes. over kids' heads. Right. Um, but that's a beautiful example of, oh, this works for two generations because the totally. kids aren't going to catch the. Yeah. Um, so I have a question for you. And, the, and anyone in the industry probably knows the answer to this and might roll their eyes. But I know a lot of my audience wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. How does it work when you go to audition? Say there's a new um, animation. Do they does the creator of the animation series have an idea for the type of voice that he or she wants the character to have? Or is that do you come in when you audition and it's yours to create? Like, how does that work? The answer to your questions are yes. Um, <laughs> it's it's a bit of both. Uh, mm -hmm. We all have uh, kind of our mental Rolodex of critters and, and acting is acting. I've done enough on camera stuff and enough stage and enough animation to know that good actors are good actors and they end up being in cartoons or they end up being on, on, in films. Um, 
and the good ones work decade after decade after decade. Uh, um, it is uh, uh, a combination of both of the things you suggested. Mm. When I get a piece of copy or a script uh, to audition for something at, at Disney or, or Warner Brothers, uh, I do come up with my own ideas um, in the context of the script and in the context of what the producers think they want. Because often they'll say, we'll know it when we hear it. And I, I, that seems like, well, thanks a lot. You'll know it when you hear it. I'm not a freaking mind reader. Now, pardon me, to me, that's, that's a glorious opportunity. I don't look right. at it as thinking, you don't know what you want. Come on, man, give me, tell me what you want. You can direct me. I'm, I'm really good at this, but I need direction. I want to dazzle them. And if, if they leave it up to me or they say, give us a couple ideas of, of what we're telling you. We need like this. And we're kind of look, he's caught like Yakko, kind of got a Groucho Mark sensibility, very smart ass. We're not really sure about the tone of the voice, but when you develop the soul, um, in my view, the voice comes out of developing the soul of the character. It sounds really mm. highfalutin, but it's true. I can, I can talk to you all damn day as Yakko Warner and stuff will come out of my mouth that will never come out of Rob's mouth. And all of a sudden my, my uh, cadence picks up. I'm a little more jazz. I'm a little more juiced. I can talk all day long. He's very fast. Good night, everybody. Boom, 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 <laughs> boom, boom. Um, and that is, comes as a result of, of being you know, good at my job and creating the, the guts of the character. Mm. <clears throat> so that when the producer says, great, um, okay, I think we've got it. Now it's your turn. Have you got anything? And we have a choice to say, no, I think I'm good. Great. Thank you very much. And off you go. Or to say, oh, you bet. I've got stuff. And I choose to do the latter because even if I don't get that job, Meredith, I will be red flagged and say, Jesus, God almighty, that guy, he didn't, this isn't really right for what we're doing now. We've got another actor I think is going to kill this role uh, a little better. But man, was that guy thinking. And the number of jobs I've gotten a year later, two years later, uh, when a producer may be working at Disney on this particular gig, and then five years later, he's now a producer on Rick and Morty and calls yeah. up and says, hey, Robbie, man, you were killing it. I'm sorry we didn't get to work with over there, but I've got something for you on Rick and Morty. And boom, you know, so you really are, as they say, auditioning for, for a lot of different stuff. And to me, those opportunities present uh, great opportunities to show people what you're capable of over and above the particular piece for which you're auditioning um, because it really is a marathon if you're going to do this for yeah. a living whether it's something like your boy who's going to be creating stuff or being an actor or a musician uh, especially if you aren't a big movie star where you can pick and choose parts you want to do or you've got so much money that you're going to take some time off to decide what it is that your next record is going to be about most of us are not like that. I'm a blue collar worker in the dream factory and, and very, very proud to be such, but it's a marathon and I have to work to pay for my house and cars and, and all the other stuff that, that makes me and my family happy. Um, so uh, that's why I take those opportunities to, to try to show them what I got. Well, I got them for five or 10 minutes because there are a thousand actors within a, a mile of that particular studio who would trade places in a heartbeat just to get that five minutes right and so i was very 
very clear about that when I when I started working. And I think that's been one of the reasons I've been able to work steadily because I've been able to cultivate relationships with producers and directors and writers as we all get older. And they, we have people who are go-to talent. They'll say, okay, I've been hired by Hulu to do this new animated series, but I've worked with Rob on a dozen things and I know he's right for this part. So right. that's how that works. Well, and it's such a great life lesson you touched on. Um, oh, you good. go in for a skill or, you know, one thing and you just show them a little bit more, right? Just always, you know, always. I always the, say it's, it's like a plate spinning. It's like, you see the two I got right here. Well, mm -hmm. I got one back here too. That's 100% correct, Meredith. And you're a young person and it is, it, it, it is an important life skill to cultivate. Uh, I don't care whether it's staying an extra hour every night at work or showing the boss that you're not afraid to work on a weekend. Um, I don't, and I don't care whether you're a farmer, a podcast host, an actor, uh, or a pharmacist. Uh, if you show the people who have the power to hire you or to make your career better or go up the ladder that you are unafraid and moreover willing to go extra miles all the time and that the truth is that you'd be doing this gig for free you just right. happen to love it and the fact is if you can find something that you would love to do for free and get people to pay you for it you pretty much won the lottery of life not everybody can do that right but if you man if, if your boat is floated by by flower arranging and you get hired on you're going oh my god i'm working at the biggest you know floral shop in chicago and i'm going to show them how much i before you know it, you're going to be running your own flower shop and you will never literally work a day in your life because you're doing what you did wanted to do when you were 18 years old. Right. Um, and it doesn't so, reek of desperation too. And I think that that's a big beautiful. thing too. If you love what you do, like I make it a goal when I talk to someone who's maybe in the news for something they don't want to be in the news for. Yeah. or um, they're someone who's really close to someone really famous. Like I've interviewed people who are really close to Oprah and really close mm -hmm. to, you know, I make it my goal to never mention that person they're close to or to ask about the scandal because I want them to remember the time they spend with me as yeah. an enjoyable event that, you know, I just don't ever want it to be like, I got this desperation angle. Like if I talk to Oprah, then I'll make it. Or if I talk to, like, I don't, mm -hmm. That's not why I do this. I do this because I like to talk to people and I like for my mm -hmm. audience to hear people. Yes. And you can just smell desperation. Oh. And so if you're not loving what you do or you, you're, there's just always, and I try and encourage people who may ask me like, well, how'd you get started? Or how I'm like, just calm down. Just do what yeah. you love. <laughs> calm no, that, down. That's, that's true. Well, yeah. and good for you. The, the fact that you're able to, that you learn that at a relatively young age is, is really important. And you're it's hard correct. though. It is hard. <laughs> Listen, there's that great, um, there's that great song and chorus line where the young man's saying, I really need this job. And that desperation is so prevalent uh, in a business like mine. Right. Um, and I believe some of it, I mean, it's always been that way, but the gas has been poured on that fire, poured on that fire uh, via shows like um, America's Got Talent and uh, American Idol. And that is not to say that I, I don't, like them. I had I been a young person and that was around, I'd have jumped at that opportunity. Sure. But just the title, it's about idolatry. It's about being famous. It's like that wonderful line in my favorite year with Peter O'Toole where he says, I'm not an actor, I'm a movie star. And there's a difference. People want to be 
famous. Um, I don't know that there's anyone in my lifetime who's been more prescient than Andy Warhol, because we are now getting to a place where virtually everyone can find 15 minutes of fame, albeit not exactly for, as you suggested, for the things for which they'd like to be known. <laughs> but when that desperation creeps into an audition, producers and directors can smell it right away. Yes. It's like, hire me, okay? Okay? Okay, because my car is broken down and I want so badly to stay here, but if I don't, I can't afford a new car. Please, please, please. And it's just going to go. And, yeah. and, and I had to learn that uh, like a lot of other people. I learned it fairly early, but there is to be sure, my friend, a skill to putting aside your desperation or God, I just had a fight with my husband. I, I love the guy, but I swear to God, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> All right. Right now, I cannot do this. It's hi. I'm Meredith, and it's such a pleasure to be here. Let me tell, let me see how I can help you with your show, because I'm so good that I'm going to make your show better. And then I'll deal with my husband or whatever. <laughs> then I'll is. kill him. <laughs> then I'll kill him. Right. But it is difficult if you go in. A, you know, I I've had I've had thousands of auditions. If my IMDb page is like the Manhattan phone book, thank you very much. That means I've auditioned for probably twice as many things which I've right. not gotten. So. The number of times that I've gone in and, and, and been broke and thought, I really do need this job, just like the other 30 kids walking in before me, or, uh, uh, you know, my mom's in the hospital and I'm not sure if I have the money to go home, um, yada, yada, yada. I really don't want to be here. I want to be on the phone with my mother, but my mother would prefer that I were here trying mm -hmm. to get the job for which I'm qualified. But we all have those things. And to be able to have the discipline to put them out of your mind and concentrate on, on the job at hand without desperation so that your talent is available or your, your interview skills when you're going to get the job of a lifetime and you're sitting with the CEO and you're ready to talk, but you are clouded by something else to be able to move that and focus on the talent that you have so that you leave them with a difficult decision because you are so good that they have to come up with a reason not to hire you. That's a definitely cultivated skill. Yeah. And it, how much do you think it is tied to letting go? I oh. mean, cause when you do your characters, right. I mean, there's a certain amount that you're in control, but you're also letting go. Right. And, of course. and yeah, of course I, my job is to, I'm an ostensible adult, but when I get to work, I'm in the greatest sandbox in the world. I'm in Hollywood, freaking California with world-class actors, world-class musicians, Steven goddamn Spielberg running the show. Yeah. And if the, I don't know that there's a bigger nerd in the world than Mr. Spielberg. So <laughs> that's when you just throw your, all your adult stuff out the window and focus and do whatever it takes to be creative. Um, and, and I, I, absolutely have learned how to let it go or in my in my view it's called living in the moment it's really mm. essentially like what our our old pal ram das said to be here now yeah that is so much easier said than done we know that we all project um we all we're parents you say oh my god I mean, if my what if my daughter this or what if my james this or what if i did the same thing my son is married and, um, and has been for a while, but of course we always still worry about them. In my case, 
um, I've learned I'm not perfect and I have to remind myself, but I'm much better at saying, be here now. Yeah. Right now, Ms. Atwood is kind enough to speak with you. This is her time and she's doing you a favor, Junior. So right now. No, you're doing me a favor. Well, it's, it's, it's. <laughs> Uh, symbiotic or synergistic. Let's put it that way. Symbiotic. All right. So right here, she's kind enough to be here now. You be here now too. When this is over, then you be what you need to be to do the rest of your life. But right now, the most important thing is this conversation. And that is, again, something that I've, I've learned to cultivate. And I, some people do it through meditation. Some people do it through gentle reminders. Some people do it on their groovy Apple watch where they say, beep, 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 don't forget to breathe or beep, 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 don't forget to call so-and-so, but it's like an inner alarm, an, uh, an inner uh, alarm that reminds me to take a breath and focus on right now, even if it's something that is as important as all the other stuff of being in my car thinking, oh my gosh, I'm on my way to my thousandth job here in Hollywood. I'm going to be pulling into the lot at Paramount today. Dude, you're going to be pulling on the lot at Paramount today for the 25th time. Does it matter? Of course not. You're going to right. Paramount again. How did you end up being here? This is so great. Right. Enjoy this moment right now. And, and I've had to cultivate that, but it's worth it. it really is. Yeah. And I, th I have to do that all the time because I have a big problem of being very future focused. I don't tend to dwell in the past. I'm like, eh. right. Well, good. Because I'm... even God can't change the past. So, right. I can accept that. I'm like, it yeah. is what it is. I did that, but I get very future wrapped up, you know, mm -hmm. just tw twisting around, like, you we know, playing do. God, yeah, <laughs> like how can I control that? So for me, it's this whole concept of letting go of the future. Yeah. Um, Cause I may, I've done it with the past, I think, but um, doing, that and saying like, really, I have no control. My house could fall down in the next 10 minutes, just night, night, you know, we don't know. You're absolutely right. Know. And the fact is that being present and being in the moment, and I, I'm so grateful for this conversation because it does get a little existential, but those are important issues, especially for people trying to get better. I'm a nice guy. I want to be a better guy and to, to learn to be here now. Uh, does a couple of things. Not only does it focus on the task at hand, but the fact is that I make better decisions for the future if I'm not worried about the future. So if I make thoughtful, conscientious decisions about almost anything because I'm present, it look it's magical, but the future takes care of itself. Right. Um, and then if something throw if I get a left hander or a curveball that makes me go, wow. Well, I'm not going to panic. You know why? Because the last 50 times I panicked and I wasn't present, the panic did so much damage to me mm. that it, I was not able to deal with the, the situation that caused the panic in an authentically helpful way. So you've learned that. Now here's a situation that could be a real problem. Hmm. Okay, I got something. And I do it. And the right. response is entirely different than it when it was, I was, you know, younger and I go, Oh, shit, I can't, Oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm not ready for this. Well, next time you'll learn. And, right. and I'm telling you what it works. Well, this is a good segue because oh, you, good. you have dealt with a big, the big C 
Oh, surprise. (laughs) Yes. So let's talk about that because not only did you battle cancer, but you battled throat cancer, like of all the body parts, right? Right. (laughs) Of all of them. I didn't you had get to have a cancer. moment where you thought, seriously? <laughs> yeah. Oh, trust me. The twisted cosmic irony of that wasn't lost on me. But you know what? Now that I'm through it, um, uh, that was one of those where had I, had I not been able to deal with things in the moment, I would have been pretty freaked out. I had already, mind you, I was diagnosed with cancer at 59 years old. Wow. Um, so I was no spring poulet, you know, I'd already had a couple of knocks, but look, man, you know, no one gets out of here without a couple of dings. No one. I don't care if it's divorce, the, you know, the death of a, of a loved one, uh, um, bankruptcy, zzz, whatever, IRS issues, bad relationships, who knows, right. parents who are not there, no one gets out of here without a couple of dings. And I was able to learn that before my cancer. And, uh, I laughed out loud uh, at one point where I thought, it's not toe cancer, it's not hair cancer, it's throat cancer. We make plans and God laughs. Yes. Um, and so when I was diagnosed um, as a result of this glorious career that I'm still enjoying, for which I take none of uh, for granted, um, I had had I don't even know, Meredith, how many, uh, oh my God, literally hundreds of opportunities to have um, Yakko or Pinky or Raphael or Donatello or Carl Weezer or any of the other whack jobs that live in my cabeza to say, uh, uh, you know, uh, I get a call from a child life specialist. Um, There's a young man, you know, 11 year old young boy who's a Ninja Turtle fanatic who is unfortunately suffering with a glioblastoma, which is a brain tumor. Um, but he really lives for Ninja Turtles and he wears his turtle shirt every day for radiation. And, you know, turtles are going to fight the cancer and they, they believe that God damn it. That is the absolute truth to them. And uh, so who am I to argue with that? Of course I called and not just me, we all do. And I have gotten to do that hundreds of times with all these characters Often I speak to the parents because they're big as they're as big a fan as, as their children. <laughs> but what is so heartbreaking, um, it's educational, edifying, um, and heartbreaking because often I'll talk to these children and their parents when they know that their sweet babies aren't going to make it out of that hospital yeah. un- unless it's in a bag. And I don't even know how to comprehend that type of, uh, I don't even know the word, courage. Uh, profound uh, uh, opportunities to learn about what real grace is about Mm. and courage and empathy. Um, Sympathy, of course, we're humans. We try to have that. But what the cancer did to me was after all of those glorious opportunities to speak with children and many of whom have now passed away and the parents would keep in touch with me and say, hey, here's a video of you speaking to Jordy Uh, before he died of his cystic fibrosis, but you will never know. You will never know what that day at the Warner Brothers commissary meant to Jordy and moreover, you know, me and and his father. Um, Now we know that you're struggling. So just reach inside because all that joy, all that powerful laughter is right here. 
It's right here in your noggin. And they were 100% correct. They are 100% mm. correct. But now that I've had a pretty serious uh, treatment regimen, worked like a charm. I'm cured wow. as far as I'm concerned. But it beats the daylights out of you. In fact, <laughs> my radiation oncologist, the lovely Russian man, and he, you know, they, they suss you out pretty quick. And they say, well, this guy, Rob Paulson, has got a good sense of humor. He's an actor. Um, moreover, he's a comedic actor. So we can screw with him a little bit because <laughs> I, 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 I love that stuff. And I, I wanted, I wanted there to be a, a, I would have spun it in a humorous way. Yeah. You know? And so he says, Mr. Paulson, it is a pleasure to meet you. Let me tell you, uh, first of all, I think that we'll be able to cure you. Not the remission, we're going to cure you. But before we do, we almost have to kill you. And <laughs> I did exactly what you're doing. I started laughing and I said, oh my God, Henry, we are going to get along great. And he was correct for obvious reasons, mouth, yeah. tongue, throat, the radiation and the chemo beat the daylights out of me, but it worked. However, talk about a silver lining, it's platinum. Because now I'm in a position as a result of very sweet people like you to help. We never know when someone is going to see this lovely chat or hear this chat and say, oh my God, Uncle Dave, that cancer that you're battling, Remember how you and I watched Pinky in the Brain when, when I was in high school and, you know, these guys are back on Hulu. You got to watch this guy. This yeah. is Rob Paulson after right. he had a year's worth of, you know, trying to deal with this whole treatment. But this is after the fact. Uncle Dave, you got this. Right. And were it not for people like you to give me a bully pulpit from which to, to speak <laughs> about my authentic empathy. So now when I say to someone either in person, literally holding their hand or uh, uh, virtually, when I say, oh, sweetie, I get it. I get it. Yeah. And it changes the whole dynamic of my sense of empathy. I am a better human for having gone through it. Did I want to? Absolutely not. Would I recommend it to anybody? Of course not. But- if life's going to give you lemons and I, as a result of learning how to live in the moment, my wife, my son and I, and his wife were able to deal with it in a very clear, calm, mm. understanding way. When it got really brutal, it was not unexpected. It was okay. I don't think I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I know, but you will. But I felt many times like there's just no way I, I, this is awful. But now the rest of my life is going to be tweaked as a result of that experience. And I will be a better person. Um, and it doesn't have to be throat cancer. That's the great news. It doesn't have to be right. losing a child. If you're present, it can be something that is important to you, but that will teach you how to be better with other people, including yourself. And, and I, I'm grateful. So you have a book. I do. Let's talk about that. Thank you. <laughs> it is called Voice Lessons. Get it? Um, Got it. And the subtitle is How a Couple of Ninja Turtles, Pinky, and an Animaniac Saved My Life. And as a result of what we just kind of broached, uh, that's exactly the case. The, the, the joy and the humor and the passion 
to be able to create at that level uh, was every bit as powerful as the chemo and the radiation. Um, in fact, my tagline of my life is that laughter is the best medicine. The cool thing is you can't OD and the refills are free. And uh, I'm telling you what, it's the damn truth. But the book um, came after the cancer because very well-meaning fans had asked me for years, oh my gosh, Rob, you should write a book. You've done all this stuff. And I said, yeah, well, that's very, very kind of you. And I certainly will accept that gracious compliment in the spirit in which you've delivered it. Uh, but man, ain't nobody wants to hear from a, uh, an average actor. I, I've been married to the same woman for 34 years. Um, I haven't been to rehab yet. Um, <laughs> I, I haven't taken any more punches than anybody else in life. And I'm not a movie star. The last thing the world needs is kind of a half-assed Hollywood biography <laughs> memoir, you know, and it's not false modesty. I just know how it works. I'm not famous. However, once I had throat cancer, and it would not have been as powerful had I had, God forbid, kidney cancer, um, it's more powerful because I had throat cancer and because I got through it and because I'm able to work at the same high level with the best in the world. Now, I am a much more powerful, literal voice to right. be of service, to be of help. And that's why the book was important. And it's pretty good. I have to say the audiobook is kind of clever because of course, Yakko and Pinky and Carl <laughs> and Raphael and Donatello and all those critters show up in the audiobook. So it's entertaining. It's informative. I think I, I can argue that's probably a little bit uh, uh, sentimental, kind of emotional um, for obvious reasons. Um, and I had a wonderful co-writer, Mike Fleeman, who knew how to construct the book so it would be readable and interesting and entertaining. Mm -hmm. And what a glorious experience. I, I am not a writer, but boy, did I learn a lot because you know, when you're with someone who knows what they're doing, you can take what to me uh, had, aspect, had, had circumstances or rather bits and pieces that I thought were a little bit kind of boring, but not when they're in the hands of a, of a world-class writer, the way that That's awesome. construct, it is awesome. And I, uh, I don't think I know that I never would have written the book were it not for the cancer. So we often hear, I'm sure you've spoken to people like me who have had life-changing circumstances that could have been devastating. But depending upon how we react, how we behave, my story has been told a million times. Uh, if you look at it the right way, if you mm -hmm. look at it in a different light, one man's treasure is another man's garbage. Life gives you lemons, all of that. It's true. And yeah. the fact is that you don't have to be an MIT grad to figure it out. God knows I'm not. Uh, and that's what makes it so beautiful. Is it an utterly human experience to be able to take these things and, and look at them through a different prism? But I'm telling you what, to be able to have had the incredible gift of being around a lot of sick kids Mm. Man, does that ever prioritize and clarify what's important in your life? The, the number of times I've come home when my boy was the same age as your sweet boy, and he'd spill chocolate ice cream on a white sofa. And in another, in another circumstance, that might bend me out of shape. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I think, all right, well, I reckon you better find a way to get that chocolate ice cream out of the sofa, hadn't you, buddy? Okay, so we'll watch cartoons or we're going to watch football <laughs> or whatever. 
but mm-hmm. it's not, oh, Jesus, do you know how much that sofa was? What the hell are you thinking? You're not supposed to eat ice cream in here. None yeah. of that. None right. of that. Because that could have been my little boy that's, you know, got the tubes coming out of him. Just like you said about your house, like yeah. that. And if you open your eyes, you know, uh, one of the things, and that's about being present, right? If you're at the grocery store and you're complaining, you're bitching in your head about whatever, open your eyes and observe because you will stop. You will stop complaining if you go to the grocery store and you open your eyes because you will see, you will see pain. You will see a million things to be grateful for every time. Absolutely. My karma is very fast. Like... Mm -hmm. When I have a, you know, a poor me thought, like God, the universe, whoever you believe, like parade something yeah. in front of me to go, okay, get it right, sister. <laughs> you know, you it are, just every time. You are 100% correct. I, I, I use analogies like you just suggested constantly when I do public speaking or I'm being interviewed. Uh, I used it. I used one last night. I had the good fortune and I'm dead serious of meeting a gentleman who was pretty down on his luck. I was in Santa Barbara and he was, uh, he had a computer. He, that's pretty much all he had clearly, you know, uh, was filthy, but he was lit, sitting on the, on the ground with a bottle of water with his computer. It's next to a Starbucks so he could use the Wi-Fi. And I said, sir, I hope I'm not uh, overstepping, but I have $20 in my pocket that I know I'm not going to use. I'd be happy to, to give it to you. Oh, thank you so much. Very articulate man. We all do that. But those exchanges now, after my cancer and being able to be in the moment and be present with this gentleman who was desperately struggling. And when he took the $20, it wasn't hyper emotional. It was, oh, well, thank you very much. And I said to him, no, it is I who thank you. And we had a lovely chat for about 10 minutes. But I have those moments of grace in my life all the time because I look for them. It's exactly what you said. Your family is very lucky to have you because. Oh, no, I'm going to get take this clip and we're just going to keep that on the phone. There you go. Well, but if you're (laughs) able to do that and say, all right, you're running a little bit late and. Uh, the line is a bit long at the grocery store. Take a moment to look around you in the grocery store or take a moment to remember the gentleman who is sitting out front of the grocery store, really having a hard time looking for a couple of bucks. Just take a moment to remember that. Um, And that is so important. And I literally used it last night, used the memory of that gentleman, which is probably 10 days ago. And it's one of hundreds because I was in my bed and the covers were a little bit, wrapped around me and my pillow was in a particular place. I'm like, oh, geez, come on. Right. And the first thing I thought of was that gentleman is sleeping on a piece of cardboard mm-hmm. and he's got his computer, which is all he's got. And he's got his matted hair and God knows what else in the open sores on his body. Uh, and hopefully he has his computer, but he probably has to stay awake all night. So nobody steals his computer. So shut up, get your pillow and go snuggle down into your fancy bed and just say a little prayer for that gentleman. Those are the things that pop up and are the things that, that I'm so grateful for. 
I will never see that gentleman again. Right. But but the the gift he gave me of gratitude is something that I will always remember. So 20 bucks, it's a pretty fair deal, you know? Yeah. 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 And I don't want to like, I, I don't want to toot horns here, but I, I think this is such an important thing to emphasize, oh, no, especially for people with young people in their life. Cause I grew up, um, I don't want to, this doesn't sound good on family, but I guess in a generation where like when there were homeless people, like don't look at the homeless people, don't, no, don't, I know. you know, just don't engage, don't give whatever, like they should get a job, do you know, like total lack of identification of any it's systemic their, it's, problems. <laughs> it's their fault. Right. Right. And I just, that never sat well with me. It never has my whole life. And Same so here. anytime someone's at a stoplight asking for money, if I have some with me, I will give it. Like, it doesn't matter if it's a 20, no. like I just do. Cause I'm I like, agree. and I'm, I have to say, excuse me, I, I, this, I, I need to interject here because I ahead. am, I am just like you. And I have wrestled with that. Uh, folks like my parents, um, people who were absolutely generous and kind, but did have a little bit, I think because they lived through the depression. Right. And they had a different mindset about being unemployed. Okay. Uh, well, Rob, you know, if you give him 20 bucks, he's probably gonna go spend it on Use crack it on or booze or whatever. Right. And you know, I, and my response now is so what, so what, um, comfort is comfort. I have no business in my view, deciding what is right and wrong for that individual. Um, if the, if I don't feel threatened, if I don't feel like there's an aggression is sometimes there are people are aggressive because they're not all there. Right. Now I'm not going to do anything that's dangerous, but if that guy goes and buys a bottle of cheap booze, you know what? That's his comfort. Jesus Christ. The guy's sleeping under an overpass. I don't yeah, even know like if the guy's going to drink. <laughs> come on. Right. I'd be looking for something to mollify me too. You know? And like, that's what I grew up. Oh, you froze up for a minute. Oh, you're uh, back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, oh, I grew sorry. up with two parents who we always had someone living with us. Ah. You know what I mean? Like there was always some rando living with us right. and I was an only child and we had a three bedroom, yeah, three bedroom house. And there was always someone living with us. And how about that, that? that's how my parents are very generous like that. Yes. You know? So I learned that generosity. And so good for my kids. Them we'll be driving down the road and my kids will say, Oh no. Oh no. They hear because they'll see someone on the corner. They're like, we're late. And I'm like, doesn't matter. Doesn't you know, matter. you turn, go to the oh, stop sign. Honey. Um, but they learn, you know, they learn that. And I, and I, it's kind of a joke. Cause I, I do that. Um, and they want to get to where we're going, but I know they see it, but I also, they have seen interesting conversations because if you actually stop and talk to someone at a red light, yeah. Who's asking for money. Oh, a lot of times they'll talk to you and they'll tell yes. you where they're from and why yes. they're there. Yes. And you're, you're like, no kidding. Yes. This, this one guy was from Egypt and he got here and his whole family got deported and they were all sharing a house and they were all pooling money and they all got deported. And it wasn't like a story. It was, yeah. you could tell that was like what had happened to him. Sure. And Isn't he's like, something? I'm just trying to get enough money together so I can, you know, I, find a place to live and get on my feet. I'm like, if I only had hundreds, I, you know, and that's right. <laughs> you and take Venmo. That, well said. 
your <laughs> PayPal. That's why I I don't I, I do not try to judge. I I know I I am able to to live that there, but for the grace of God, you know, right. go I. I don't care whether you're religious or not. That that could be you, Junior. And yeah. more often than not, just like this gentleman in Santa Barbara, articulate, uh, very engaged, totally can follow the conversation, uh, understood that I was grateful. And he said, you're welcome. And I said, well, thank you. This is, right. this is fantastic. I had that, a similar experience probably five years ago with a, uh, uh, a sweet woman who I, I, had a, I, I gave her some money and we had a lovely chat and uh, she said, you know, she got very tearful. She said, I am so, I'm so embarrassed to be here. My children don't know I'm doing this. My husband and I have fallen on hard times and he's in a hotel. He's having a heart, has a heart issue. Uh, we are going to have to tell our children because they want to come and visit us, but we've lost our home. And I thought, well, it's not my business to find out why you haven't told your children already, but she was either, she was a wonderful actor or, but I believe she was authentic. Right. So, I, but I, and I had given her $5. It wasn't like I changed her life, but she wanted to talk. So we talked for maybe 20 minutes and I thought, Rob, shame on you. You gave that woman $5. There's an ATM right over there. So just, so I got her a little more money and I can't, I, I said, madam, I just realized that I had a couple extra bucks in my pocket. So uh, if you don't mind, oh my God. And she, of course she got a little, this was probably 10 minutes after I had finished speaking to her. So I gave her a hundred bucks. Now I started walking back to my car and Meredith, it was probably 20 seconds after I'd given her the money. I just, you know, handed it to her like this and just said, here, I didn't say, oh, here's a hundred dollars. I yeah. just said, you know what I mean? So I just yeah. shoved in her hand. I said, Trudy, you take good care of yourself. Okay. And gave her a hug and started walking away. And then I hear this. What did you do? This is too much money. Too much money. It was a hundred dollars. My God, I'm going to throw away a hundred bucks worth of food. Shame on me mm. in the next month. We all have that. And and the gift, the gratitude that I feel to be in a position to do that is something that that woman gave me just by being in my life and, and that I, like you, am present enough to see it. And the fact right. is that we, we can all do it. It doesn't really matter, obviously, that it's like more than not. But if someone says, look, all I got is two bucks. How are you doing? What's going on? We don't always have the chance, especially if you're in a car and you're at an intersection. Mm -hmm. But when those opportunities, I promise the folks who are listening, and I'm sure many of them do this anyway. Yeah. But they're very lucky to have a host. My audience there. does because I have there a great you audience. You bet you do. <laughs> and and you are a great person for, for being able to talk about that stuff because often we find people that are not dissimilar to ourselves. Right. And we walk away so grateful for the fact that we can afford to feed our dog. Yeah. That we don't have to get rid of our dog or God forbid, next time we go to the vet, say it's a $500 vet bill. If I pay it, I save my dog. If I don't, because I got to pay my rent, my dog dies. I don't have to worry about that. Can you yeah. imagine? My God. Right. That, and when we have these glorious opportunities that life presents to us, if we're present, we get way more out of it than the people we help. 
Well, and even, you know, if anyone's listening and thinking, well, it's nice for you guys who have some money, like you can put a pin in that, right? Because it is not just about that. You can go to a grocery store and I do this game because the former me like 10 years ago would have been more like no good deed goes unpunished because you let someone out in traffic and then, you know, a hundred or 10 minutes later, you're punished for it because now you miss the light and you're late to this. And like, there's this whole no good deed goes unpunished kind of joke I play with myself. So if I'm not in a hurry and I have time, I will look around and I keep saying the grocery store, but I've been in the grocery store a lot lately. Yeah. (laughs) Is like, what good deed can go unpunished right now? Like I'll look around because there will be someone who is in a hurry. And you can let them go ahead of you in the line and then they can like take forever to write a check and you can go, there it is. There's the, you can make a joke out of it. Or you see someone who obviously needs assistance. Like there's many ways to do it. that doesn't require a donation and it all goes back to being present. Exactly. (laughs) All of it. Like if you're not paying attention or you're too self-absorbed, like you're never going to get it. Excellent. And, and it just, all it does is make us better people. And it, yeah. and it just enriches my life. Boy, have I hit the jackpot with you today? Well, we have you, gone over and I always say, I don't, I like to not do that to people, but we've gone over. So we, I have to stop. My pleasure. Well, thank you. You are, <laughs> you're just the Thank you, Rob. This was oh, wonderful. Please. Your book voice lessons is available where you buy books. That's right. And everywhere. Yeah, best of and, luck, continued success with thank all you. the voices. And we're rolling, right? Obviously, are you we recording are this? Okay, yeah. and this is for James. All right. <clears throat> Hello, James. Yakawana here. I'm also Pinky. Pinky's banging around in my head too. Now listen, both of us want you to do one major, well, it's a couple of major things. First of all, give your mom a big fat smooch because she's the bestest mom in the world. I know I'm preaching to the choir. <laughs> and of course, the other thing is if you would be so kind when you create your own show, would you please hire Rob? Because Pinky, Yakko, Carl Weezer needs a brand new croissant. Raphael and Donatello, all of us need to keep working. Look, the truth is I like cars, dude. So I got to keep working. Please, <laughs> when you're rich and famous, hire me. Oh my gosh. Sure. I love it. Thank you, Rob. Take you're care. welcome. My pleasure. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.